winning is important. Some Christians never care about winning. See, they, 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 they don't care about winning. Winning is important. Paul said, run that you may obtain. So don't just run. You run with winning in mind. So run that you may obtain. Old um, Christianity has sold us many things that are not real and not true about God. Do what you can. The Lord will do the rest. Something will happen someday. What you don't realize is when you don't win, it shows something has not been done. You see, when you don't win, I'll give you a clear example. Let's say you are, you are asked to win 100 souls. Then you win 15 and said, God knows my heart. He knows I have tried. So what happens to the 85? Are you getting it? What happens to the 85? It immediately means you have thrown the 85. That's, that's, the, that's the subtle mentality. It shows that you don't really care about the 85. And what you've been able to do is that 15. And that's fine. Oh, what if that's what God gave me? The 15 is what God gave you. Now, there's provision in the word of God for you to increase capacity to do more. To increase capacity to do more. So if 15 is what God gave you, that means you're going to do your best to reach that 15. So much that, you know, in, in the scriptures, you know, it's, it's stated when you win or you get it done, God adds more to you. So that means if you really finish that 15, God's going to add more to you. He says, any branch in me that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. So if you really win, God's going to add more to you. So you're going to do your best to win. What happens to the 85? I have never thought that God called me and somebody else. I've never thought so. I've always thought it's only me. That's how, that's how I've always thought. It's, I'm the only one that God called. I'm the only one on the assignment. Because truly, when you see the, um, a number of Christians who are, you know, non-challenged about the work of God, you begin to realize that we, we don't have many of us. Uh, all right. Some of you are in school. Let me use your class as an example. How many people in your class stand up in the morning to preach in class? But if you ask, how many of you are Christians in this class? Almost 98% are going to lift their hands. But how many of them do you know are actively doing something for God? And you realize that a lot of them are doing nothing. So we cannot assume someone is doing something. So when we are asked to do something by God, we go all out for it. That's the reason why, one of the reasons, uh, one of the things we need to really develop, all right, or give attention to is spirituality. Spirituality. Now, I, I, yes, um, yesterday during the Leadership Academy, I was, I was telling them a few things. Very important. I said, the fact that God ever used you does not mean everything about your life is correct. And I said, being used by God is the lowest, <laughs> is the lowest attribute you can ever have in your life that God used you to do something. So don't be so, like for example, let me give you a good example. Maybe 90% of your life, you're either listening to secular music or in the wrong places with the wrong friends. Then one day you walked into a place and God used you to say something and you'd be like, oh, check, check my life. All the things I've even done, I've been wrong, but God still used me. That's, that's nonsense. Because there's a very big difference between you being used by God and you being an instrument of God. And I, I use this as an example to them. I said, give me a pen. And I said, with this pen, if I have an itch in my ear, I can use my pen and do this. Uh, I mean, temporarily to, to sort out the situation in my ear. When I'm done, I put it back. It becomes, it still is a pen that will be used to write. 
when I'm looking for something to permanently uh, work on my ear, what am I going to look for? Cotton buds. I'm going to, so that's an instrument for that. This was just used for it. So some people are just used by God. They are not instruments of God. So the more God uses you, you know what you're supposed to do? Because he said, okay, John chapter 15. He says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. Okay, so let's, let's start from verse 1. I'm the true vine. My father's the husband man. Then he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he take it away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit. That means the one, <laughs> look at it. He says, and every, the, I'm, I'm looking at the second part. He said, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it. That means the one that bore fruit still had problem. He said, it had problem, but it bore fruit. So God looked at the fruit it was bearing and decided to now purge it because it was bearing fruit. So the fact that you did one or two things correctly and you won some souls and God used you to heal somebody and God used to do something doesn't mean ah, then you, you, you are at a state of uh, everything is right with me now because God used me. No, no. When you bear fruit, God will not get your attention to, okay, so this is not correct, that's not correct on you. Then he begins to take those things away that you bear more fruit. So you, you, you get to one level and probably everybody's hailing you for something you did for God, but you know deep down when you go and look at yourself and examine yourself, you know there's some things that must go out. So you pay attention to spirituality. You look at spirituality. Spirituality, you see, there are three kinds of, of men as stated in the Bible. There's the natural man, right? There's a, the Bible talks about the natural man. The natural man is the man who is not saved. He's not born again. He's a natural man. All right? And when it comes to the natural man, you know, this is where the, uh, a lot of Christians get it wrong. You know, they address, all right, so let me mention these three men. Then I'll, I'll, uh, There's the natural man, there's the carnal man, and there's the spiritual man. All right? They address the carnal man and the natural man sometimes interchangeably, and it's wrong. Like, for example, when it comes to the natural man, he talks about the natural man as a man who is blind, all right? That man is not saved, so that man is blind. Now, we're looking at the relationship. A man who is blind, who probably falls into mud, you know, no person in his correct sense will jump into mud and say, well, I mean, you, if everything is right with him and he does that, we are still, we're going to check his head. Am I, am I right? We're going to check his head. Like, why? Why are you stepping in mud? Then he throws himself into mud. Now, if a blind man did not see that mud and steps into it, what are we going to think? He needs help. All right? So you see some Christians, when they are addressing those who are not born again, and Christians who are carnal, it's like they address them the same. You look at the one who's not born again and say, what you are doing is wrong. That's wrong because he's blind. He cannot see. So if he is doing the wrong thing, we address him as a blind man. We know that he needs help. That kind of person deserves love. All right? Of course, everybody deserves love, right? But that kind of person is going to be loved and shown and going to pray for that person because we don't want him blind so that he steps in the mud. So when the person who's not born again, we don't say, ah, what you are doing is wrong. Oh, you are not going to heaven. You know, that kind of thing. It's, it's not for the one who is not born again because he cannot see. Jesus Christ says, when a man is not born again, he said he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you can't even start explaining because he cannot see. But when you come to the carnal, the carnal man, the carnal man is a Christian who has refused to grow. Carnal. Carnally minded. The Bible says when you are carnally minded, it is enmity with God. It's enmity with God. Look at Matthew chapter 16. I want to show you something from Matthew chapter 16. All right. So from verse 20. Let's start from verse 20. Matthew 16 from verse 20. Now, this was right after Peter has given a great revelation. 
Massive revelation. Jesus Christ asked them, who do you say I am? He first asked them, who do men say I am? I mean, when you listen around, what do people say? Oh, everybody was giving their own opinion. You know, that, that's opinions. It's like Jesus, let, let's imagine Jesus asked this on Twitter. Hi, guys, who do men say I am? <laughs> he choke. <laughs> people will say things. My friend, please, we have not eaten this morning. What is all? <laughs> we will say different things. So his disciples said, oh, you are this, you are that, all different opinions. They said, okay, who do you say I am? Now, these guys have been working with Jesus for a while. So all the while they were working with Jesus, they didn't know. What kind of followership is that? Like you're following someone you don't know who he is. <laughs> okay, so they said all they wanted to say. Then Peter did not premeditate that. All of a sudden, he just spoke. Now, that's the thing about being used by God and being an instrument of God. You see the difference there. So he was just used by God at that time. So he opened his mouth. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Then he says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, my father in heaven. That was revelation because he didn't premeditate it. When he left that side, now Jesus Christ now said. So now let's look at from verse 20. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now at this time the revelation has come out. Jesus Christ told them, don't tell anybody. So now let's go to 21. He says, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. <laughs> now, you could see that Peter was not an instrument of God because he was, he was loose. He is a type that spirit, any spirit can talk through. Come on. Spirit of God will talk. Spirit of Amasamai will talk. <laughs> There are people like that. There are people like that. When they come to church, they'll be crying and, you know, easily used by God. If you, when, they, when they're done, they can give you a certain prophecy, eh? The Spirit says, they don't go to the Baba behind your house. <laughs> and probably maybe God really spoke through them. Then they go back home. When they go back home, it does not take time. There is, let me tell you this. The, the distance between light and darkness eh, is just a straight line. How do, how do we know? If you put on if you put on the light here and we put on a torch, there's no distance really between darkness and the, the light. It's just the same place. So darkness is just behind light. Oh, did, are you, I see what I'm saying. In spiritual things, you might think, oh, it's a very, very bad. No, there's no, there's no much difference. There's no much difference. The distance between light and darkness is just in the same place. Just one straight line. It's in a very thin line. Darkness is just behind light. So that person is so, he's, he's so loose, like can easily be used. Anything can use him. Peter was like that because he was not yet an instrument of God. Now, when he became an instrument of God in the book of Acts, he opened his mouth and said, men and brethren, this was what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And from that day, everything Peter was saying was correct. So this was different. At this time, he was just merely used by God for something. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. At this time, Peter thinks... He is a bishop. Have you seen people who can give you a prophecy and after the prophecy comes to pass, they think then they have some spiritual authority over you? You've seen them before, right? That's what Peter was doing. Peter thought that, uh, if I can give this revelation. Now, Jesus endorsed him and said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. You can imagine, mm, so all this while, when I was a, blood, uh, 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 a cloth of blood in my mother's womb, the Lord had called me and chosen me. I should be a prophet to the nations. Jesus is even starting. He's now starting. He's now, Jesus is starting. My prophetic ministry. <laughs> uh, 
You know, some people, when they come to church like that and they see, but I'm not preaching. The day they'll give me uh, the opportunity. I will scatter the whole building. Truly, you will really scatter the whole building because everybody will go home. <laughs> Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Now, I'm talking about spirituality because I'm, I'm going to show you something. I said that the, the, the distance between light and darkness is a very thin line. So how would you know that something is spiritual? How would you be able to discern it? How would you know something is spiritual and something is not? Because what Peter is saying here, he's not saying anything bad. Now, at least if Peter said, Jesus, go unto the, the harlot or something, you know that, ah, this one there is the devil. When we are looking at spirituality, we are looking at three things. Who God is, where God is, and what God is doing. Spirituality will help you to identify who God is. Then that's not enough. After who God is, you should be able to identify where God is. Now, where God is, oh, he's inside me. No, that's not what I'm talking about, all right? I'm talking about where God is in the matter. Where is God standing? Where is God? Where is God in the matter? You are, you are judging somebody on, on, on a matter. It says, where is God? <laughs> like yesterday, someone called me and he was talking about, um, you know, uh, as Christians, we should be there. I said, no, no, no. And the person was actually talking about pneumatic night. This was like, no, maybe we shouldn't have had it. I said, what are you saying? Were you in my room when God asked me to have it? You understand? So you can easily be in a bandwagon of other Christians and start criticizing, and you don't know where God is. The fact that it's on the news doesn't mean God is there. He said, behold, I do a new thing. He said, shall you not perceive it? Why? Because when God is doing something, it's not always obvious. He said, you will need to perceive it. <laughs> you will need to perceive it. You have to know where God is. In the matter, when you come, you, you might think, oh, if God is on the left, that means... When we get there, we probably should be shaking. No, you might not shake. You will be standing where God is and not know. You will need spirituality to be able to discern and perceive then what God is doing. You will need spirituality to know what God is doing. Some Christians are not aware that we are close to the rapture of the church. Some Christians are not aware. They don't know what God is doing. When you look at the temptation of Jesus Christ, he had to be spiritual. Listen, because the devil did not say anything contrary to scripture. You will need to be uh, uh, spiritual to be able to discern and know that, no, this particular scripture that the devil has quoted to me, not only is it out of context, but it is not used at the right time, because that is righteousness. Righteousness is it must be the right thing used at the right time, unmistaking. If it is righteous, if it is the righteousness of God, that means it should, it, you see, because sometimes people take the right things, and that's what the devil does. He takes the right things, use them at the wrong time. It's, it will look to you like righteousness, but it's not. Because if it's going to be righteousness, that scripture has been picked, but it's being used at the wrong time. He will keep his angels charge over this. It's not a wrong scripture. It's the right scripture, but he's using it at the wrong time. So what was Jesus Christ looking at? Jesus Christ was looking at who is saying it and not what is being said. <laughs> Are you getting it? Jesus is looking at who is saying it. He's saying, he's quoting, he shall give his angels charge over thee. Lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Why should the devil tell me that? So it's being said by the fact that the devil is the one telling me there's something wrong with it. So when people speak to you, can you discern the spirits they are speaking by? You see? Can you discern the spirits they are speaking by? Because some people, God said, he said, these prophets speak. He said, but they don't speak by me. He said, the prophets are speaking, but they're not speaking by me. That means some people can say the right things, but they're speaking by another spirit. Can you be able to tell? This is spirituality. Because now we are not leaving the, the, the bad for the good. We are, looking, we are leaving the good for the better and the better for the best. That's what we are looking at. We're looking at spirituality. 
Because sometimes you can be out there thinking, oh, you are doing something for God. And truly, when you check by the radiance of spirituality, you are actually wrong. Because you will need spirituality to know who is speaking through this person. What am I hearing? Is it, am, I, am I hearing God? You will need spirituality to know. So as we approach the coming of the Lord, more and more, what is needed now is spirituality. Because now we cannot be cold nor hot. So he began to rebuke Jesus. He began to teach Jesus about confessions. Jesus was the one who taught him in, 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 in Mark chapter 11. That if you shall say to this mountain, be thou moved and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in your heart. You shall have whatever you say. Now, he who was taught is not going to teach his teacher that don't say some things. Jesus, don't confess wrongly. Jesus, you have no faith, Jesus. Jesus, let me teach you about the equation of faith. Trust X plus confession Y will give you faith A. Jesus, don't say you will die. So, he telling Jesus not to say you die. He's saying the right thing. But he doesn't know what God is doing. Jesus must die. See, he didn't know what God is doing. Saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Verse 23. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. He didn't turn and say to Satan. He turned to Peter and said, get thee behind me, Satan. You know, I love Jesus. All, of, all, all those of you who think that uh, Jesus was uh, a softy, who didn't want to offend people, will be saying, go ahead, do what you are doing. When I arise from the grave, we shall, we shall all be fine. BBF, BBF, fine. That, that's the only thing Jesus was a softy. Gentle Jesus became a... Does this look like a softy? The first, the first time Peter said the right thing, he said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father in heaven. The next time Peter messed up, he said, get me behind me, Satan. Was not thinking of massaging his emotions. That if I say it, Peter will be offended. Now, mind you, Peter was likely to be older than Jesus. In fact, he was older than Jesus. Oh, you don't know. When, Pete, when Jesus met Peter, Peter was already married. <laughs> oh, you don't know. Better to save souls. <laughs> he was already married. And among the, the Jews, a lot of the time, if he's married and probably already has an occupation like a, a, um, a fisherman, He's likely to have crossed 30. And Jesus had just turned 30 and had started ministry. So Peter was actually older than Jesus. So if you look at someone who is older than you, like this, I say he's my disciple. He says, get thee behind me, Satan. He said, you this guy, you don't respect. <laughs> <laughs> then, this is the part I want to show you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. For thou savourest not the things that be of God but those that be of men. He says, you, you don't know the things that are of God. You can't tell what God is doing. You can't tell something God is saying. He said, you're offense unto me. That's savorous. The word savorous means you, are, you don't mind the things. You see? You don't mind the things that be of God. Peter, you don't mind the things that be of God. You don't mind the things that be of God. So there are things that be of God. There are things that this one, you, when you look at it, this is God. This is God. No, I, I don't fight things that are of God. When I see something, I see someone doing something, and this one looks like God is with the person, the moment I begin to side with the person, because I savour the things that be of God. I think the things that be of God. I mind the things. My mind is on things that be of God because of spirituality. Because to know a spiritual person, it is the one who has, you know, has the structures in his mind, all right? A spiritual person, you will see the structures of his mind are the building blocks of God. 
the structures in his mind. They are the building blocks of God. Everything that goes into his mind will have to um, be proved. Romans 12, I'll show you. Everything that comes, any information you give him, he will have to take it through quality control. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove. You see, prove. That, that's quality control. So when you tell the person something, the one who has put in the right structures in his mind, you tell him something, he's going to look for the goodwill. Is, is it the goodwill of God? Is it the acceptable of God, will of God or it is the perfect will of God? He's going to prove it. He's not going to just say anything because, you, you know, you said it was from God. Once you say it, he's going to think, oh, let's go to this place. It doesn't, listen now, it doesn't have to be a sin. Oh, but if, if I go to a club, what, what is wrong? It is not a sin. It is not a sin. It is not a sin. But a spiritually minded person will begin to consider other things. I'll give you an example of things. You begin to consider the atmosphere. Because a spiritual person knows that an atmosphere affects you, whether you know it or not. So he considers the atmosphere. He considers the kind of people who are there. He's not trying to behave holier than thou, but he's not going to play the football in their pitch. Thou savourest not the things that be of God. I remember some years ago, I, I, I got into a certain place. You know, I got into a certain place, and uh, it, was a, it was based on business. So I got there, and there was this, you know, musician who was, who was singing there. Not a gospel musician. So while he was singing, people were jumping and shouting. Man, I never felt so demonic like that day. I tell you, I felt, I could literally, I felt demons everywhere. You are judging. You are judging. Yes, I'm judging. You want to see? You want to see whether I, I, I'm right to be judging or not? I'll show you. I'm actually right. First Corinthians chapter 2. Why are you judging? Let's start from verse 14. You'll see what we said about the natural man. But the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God. You see, the natural man, he, he has no business with the Spirit of God. So when someone is a natural man and he does not speak in tongues, and he says, all oh, those who are speaking in tongues are mad, we know we are not supposed to be offended because he's a natural man. He doesn't know. He cannot see. His, his own is blindness. He's in the mud, but his own is blindness. So we are thinking of, how can we help this person? We're going to probably, you know, pray for him so that the blindness will leave him so that he can see the kingdom of God, right? So that's a natural man. So he says, but the natural man receiving all the things of the Spirit of God. He said, for their foolishness unto him. That is a natural man. It's foolishness. Speaking in tongues, it's foolishness to the one who is not saved. It's like, how can you say something you don't understand? For their foolishness unto him. He said, neither can he know them. I mean, there's not even a small chance of a natural person knowing the thing, things of God. He said, neither can he know them. He can't even know them. Because he said, those things are spiritually discerned. Those things are spiritually discerned. The word discern there means you, you can draw the line and say that this is from God, this is not from God. So that you don't take things from people and say, you never know, you never know. There's some of the people in the club are even better than those in church, I beg your pardon. Yeah. You don't say some of those rubbish, it's rubbish. Someone saved by Jesus, he said those outside are better than those inside. Come on, let's be serious. Let me tell you the advantage of someone who is in church, who listens to the Spirit of God. Even if he has not yet attained what he needs to attain, God can still work on him because that person can hear God. So if that person is making a mistake, you know that, oh, God can work on him. God can work on him. But the one who cannot hear God, cannot see God, we need to pray for that person so that the blindness leaves because that's a dangerous state to be in. So it says, Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You can do the demarcation when you are spiritual. Now, go to verse 15. You see this. He says, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things. You know, when we say, when we say, you know, you have judged. So he said, don't judge, don't judge. Don't. You, don't want to, you don't know what you are saying. 
When you say don't judge, you don't know what you are saying because you've not read the full scripture. Jesus Christ said, judge not that you be judged. He said, but judge righteous judgment. Because you see, what you don't know is that every day you judge. That you went to the Baba behind your house and you didn't go to the one four streets away. You have judged that he's wrong. <laughs> Why have you judged him that he's bad? <laughs> when you pick clothes, red and white, you have judged. Judgment, you know, when people try to level some charges against God, <laughs> they are funny. Like someone asks a question. He says, why did God just make us? The person thought he was making a sound argument. He didn't ask us and he made us. <laughs> yeah, he just made us. He didn't ask us any question. We just saw that we are here. And I said, the person is married though. I said, you are married? Say yes. You are expecting a baby? Say yes. You didn't ask the baby. <laughs> you didn't ask the baby. You are accusing God for the same thing you are also doing. You are also, you, are, you have not asked any question from the baby. You said, I, I my husband, want a, a child. No question, no, nothing. He has God. God is really having fun in heaven. I'm telling you, looking at that. <laughs> he said, he that is spiritual judges all things. What does he say? The one who is spiritual makes, he puts lines between things. Says, okay, this is of God. This is not of God. If he is not sure, he will go and pray and hear from God. He said, no, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here. See, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be here. So the person begins to make judgments on situations, judgments on issues. If you come, if I go to a place and I, I see someone preaching, like for example, I'm in a bus and someone begins to preach and the person is even preaching the wrong thing, I'm not going to condemn the person because the boldness alone to stand up alone, at least I didn't stand up. Since I didn't stand up, I should shut up and listen. If I think the message is not good, when he finishes, I should stand up and say, I, I really like what my sister said. I just want to add a little. Then I will not correct a few things that he said. She has done it. She has said it. But you, are, you didn't preach. You were a Christian. You are sitting in the bus. She said, hallelujah. You didn't say amen. I've told you. I said, when you see them preaching in the bus there, and they say, hallelujah, give them moral support. Because it takes a lot for them to stand up like that. Eh, say, but they have been collecting money. Is it your money? <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't give, shut up. So you sit down there when they are preaching. Because you know sometimes that, that moral support can do a lot for you while you are preaching. How you, because you don't know anybody. You just stood up to preach. When you say praise the Lord, you saw somebody else say hallelujah. You know, yeah. My, uh, my ministry has been confirmed today. You preach a hot message that day. If the person preaches on hell and you are not uh, uh, conversant or comfortable with the help, when the person finishes, you stand up and say, you see, even as she has talked about hell, I want to talk to you about the love of God, which will take you out of hell. But you sit down, all these people, they don't know the true revelations. <laughs> if I dare, if, that's why I don't like standing up in buses. If I stand up, the healing anointing will be everywhere. <laughs> but you are sitting down. Spirituality is so important. It has taken many people out of their heritage with God. Not being spiritual. Not being spiritual. That's taking many people out of their heritage with God. Look at Esau. Look at Esau. He didn't care. He said, I'm an old man. You know, a lot of us think that that particular uh, situation was, they were two young boys. You know, when you uh, read those books, uh, children's Bible, it's like, it was two young men who were, you know, this one gave porridge to the other. How do we know it's even porridge safe? It looks like young, no, it, it, they were not young people. Because Esau said, at this my age, that means they were not young boys. They had grown. So actually, when you look at it, it looks as though Esau has a point. Because if there is any any serious birthright or blessing or whatever it is. I mean, they should enjoy it as young people. But no, he's already grown. So I'm sure Esau did not put any premium on the blessing. Because he, there we already, anything we will be, we have been it. All we are waiting for is for our father to die. So actually, we're sitting down waiting for, you know, 
The guy said, I'm hungry. He said, okay. And Jacob was a spiritual guy. The guy knew that if I go and take my father's blessing, it won't work if I don't take the birthright first. What Esau said is that he took my birthright and now has taken my blessing. He didn't just take one. Some people said he just went to take the blessing. No, because he, if he took the bl- blessing from Isaac, when he hadn't taken the birthright, the blessing won't work. Because the blessing is not coming on a person, it's coming on a birthright. So the blessing was to the firstborn. That is the, this, that's the order. It's coming to the firstborn. So whether the go- a goat in the house is the firstborn, the blessing comes upon the goat. So Jacob knew that if I'm going to take this thing, I must take the birthright. It's not about they laying hands on me. I must take the birthright so that when they put the blessing on me, it, it, is, it is legitimately mine. So it says there, Jacob looks at it and says, okay, um, you said you are hungry. Okay, I have food. I give you the food, you give me the birthright. Esau said, ah, at this my age. Take, take, take. take give me the food, I, the food I want to eat. Now, from what happened in the scripture, you realize that Esau did not mean it. If he meant it, the day he was supposed to take the birthright, he shouldn't have gone. So I said, oh, I already gave it to Jacob. He did not mean it. You see, one of the things of spiritual people is they put premium on words. Spiritual people don't just say anything and they don't just allow anything to be said to them. That's how, the first way you know a spiritual person is by words. They don't just say anything because Esau, okay, right, Genesis chapter 25, verse 32, says, and Esau said, behold, I am at the point to die and what profit shall this birthright do to me? No, come on. So that means there were, no, there were no young boys. They said, oh, I'm about to die. I'm about to die. I'm a grown man. What am I going to do with birthrights? It's when we're little kids that I, I, I'll say, I'm the firstborn, so wash my clothes. I'm the firstborn, so do this. Oh, we have all grown. Watch out. And Jacob said, swear to me this day. And he swear unto him. And he sold his birthright to Jacob. He was trying to be four and nine. Because on the day they are supposed to take the blessing, he shouldn't have gone. He should have said, oh, mommy, I've already given this thing to Jacob. We are about to die. No, he went. He was ready for it. Isaac, Papa, Papa Isaac, give me. He went, he goes there and says, I've already given it to. Still showing that the guy is not spiritual. He says, Don't you have small? Small. He doesn't understand the spiritual things. And Isaac, being a spiritual man, said, No, this thing is like we can't give it 20%, 30%. When they give it to you, they're giving it to you. He said, Blessed man, yea, he shall be blessed. Then he said, Is not he rightly named Jacob? For he had supplanted me these two times. You see? He took away my birthright, and behold, now he has taken away my blessing. And he said, has thou not reserved? Please pray for me, I beg. Pray for me. It's like he tells some people, all right, you have a case. Um, you have a situation, all right. Go home, go and fast, and listen to some messages. So, before I go, just pray. Just, just put your hand. Put your hand. <laughs> they, are not, they don't care about what you are saying, you know. If you just put your hand. <laughs> One time someone came to me. He has already bought his oil already. Yeah, he came. He has already bought his oil, so just... That, he's not leaving room for me to say I don't have oil, you understand? <laughs> he bought oil and came to me and said, Paul, I said, ah, the oil is your oil. How am I going to take the oil and pour you? Balakosa, <laughs> brothers. Spirituality. You're going to make up your mind that more than ever before, you are going to be, when you check your life, last week and now, have you become more spiritual? more spiritually minded. Are, are you now considering spiritual things more or you're still the same? That's how you check for spiritual growth. That's how you check for growth. Have I become, you know, more spiritually minded in my approach to things? When I look at natural things, you know, am I looking for what is God thinking? You see, Solomon, that's how Solomon got wisdom. He said, I went to the field of a, a lazy man and I received understanding. 
So Solomon when goes to a field, everybody thinks it's just a field, but Solomon begins to observe and sees what God is saying even through nature. That's a spiritual person. He sees an ant, and everybody might be seeing an ant, but he can hear the voice of God coming out of the ant. He's not hearing something in his ear, but as he's, looking at, he's looking at the hard-working nature of the ant. He writes a scripture concerning that. He said, go to the ant, thou sluggard. So can you hear God even from the, from the, uh, the most, uh, you know, natural things that you can ever see? Can you, see, can you hear God? When you are talking to people, can you hear God from them? Can you hear God from people? I, I can hear God from little children. Sometimes you are talking to a little child and the child is not thinking, he's saying anything serious, but you can hear God. You can hear God from that little child. Can you hear God? When you see, you know, you, you, you're, um, you, you're traveling and you're probably in the bus and you see the sea. Oh, many times I've gotten to the sea and I just lift my hand. Say, how great thou art. See, I can hear God. I'm always looking for God in everything. Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, that, that means they see God in everything. The pure in heart see God in everything. They're not looking for um, what is wrong, what's bad. They see God. See, they see God. So the more, one time I, I sat, I sat um, behind a football match, and while I was watching the match, I was making notes. Not basically based on the match, I'm making notes on, it looked like the kingdom to me. It looked, it, I, I was learning about teamwork in the kingdom. Then I started writing things down. I was, I was, I was just watching a match. See? Anything can teach you. The, the Bible says that day unto day uttereth knowledge. You see, Psalm 19. Let's start from verse 1. He said to the chief musician, a psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, oh, look at this. The, David is, is speaking. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God. Now, did we see the heavens stand in a place say, the glory of God, the glory of God? No. But David is saying something. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. He says, the heavens are speaking. The firmament are speaking. Then he says in verse 2, he says, day unto day uttereth speech. He says the heavens are uttering speech. But we are not seeing the heavens having a mouth to utter speech. He said, night unto night showeth knowledge. Verse 3, there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Come on. That means this guy is looking at the heavens, but they are speaking. They are speaking the glory of God. The firmament are showing the handiwork of God. He said they are uttering speech. Night unto night, he said, they, they, they show knowledge. You're working with somebody. You just met someone as you're speaking. All you're thinking about, that's one of the things you know, you're, you're, you're spiritual. All you're thinking about is, is he saved? Is she saved? What can I do about this? You don't just meet people, you're, you're probably in business and while you're talking to the person, you know, you, you realize this person is not saved. You're striking a business deal, but you're thinking, what can I do about this? Spiritual, spiritually minded. Seeing it the way God will see, see it. Jesus met Nicodemus, who was an influential Pharisee, and the next thing he's talking to him, he says, hey, you must be born again. And he said, you can be born again. He said, you must be born again. That's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm thinking about. You must be born again. Met Zacchaeus on a tree. He says, today, today. He said, salvation has come to your heart. Today. That's what he's thinking about. That's what Jesus is thinking. He's looking at the spirituality of everything. Remember the scripture where the disciples of Jesus did not take bread. <laughs> the disciples of Jesus Christ did not take bread. And that, that, I love Jesus. When you, when you read the scriptures... He looks at the fact that they did not take bread. He just starts preaching a message on bread. He's not even looking at the fact that they didn't take bread. He's not saying, hey, you guys did not bring bread. You want us to die? You want us to die? He's not thinking of that. He looks at them and says, beware of the living of the Pharisees. He looks at the fact that they did not take bread and begins to preach a message. He says, beware of the living of the Pharisees. He leaves the, the topic of bread and he's not talking about, you know, the living of the Pharisees. Then the disciples now took him back again. Say, hey. It's because we didn't take bread. Jesus was spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. Let everybody around you know that you are born again. 
Let them know that you, you, you have the spirit of God. You know, so I said, one of the first ways you know someone is spiritual is through words. All right, so quickly, how do you become more and more spiritually minded? One, through the scriptures. So you put this point down. To be spiritual is to be scriptural. To be spiritual is to be scriptural. How can you be scriptural if you have not read the scriptures? Don't be, you know, I know what you are saying is true, but let's face reality. No, 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 no. There's no, there's no, there's no reality outside the scriptures. That's what I told them at the Leadership Academy. I said, you have to make up your mind. In your life, scripture is final authority. You know one of the reasons why I believe the scriptures? Of course, the scriptures are worth believing. But one of the reasons why I believe the scriptures is every single person I know who stands on scripture, they have a certain character. That you, it's unmistaking. It's like, it's like, ah, look at their life. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Let's look at a man of God. And look at Pastor Chris. When you see him standing there, and every time he says, I believe the scripture, I believe you better believe the scriptures because <laughs> the person saying he, he's telling you agelessness, he doesn't look like he's aging. You understand? He is always referring to the scriptures, the scriptures. Okay, he has money, he has good health, he's doing well. I mean, he's looking fine, skin gold, you understand? <laughs> So if he says that the, the scriptures are trash, I, I have no, I, what again? And I look, I look at other, other uh, men of integrity. Like when I look at the life of, uh, of someone like Dr. T.O. Osborne, at the time he was dying, so much honor in his life. And men like that, I've listened to them, all of them said, the scriptures are true. The scriptures are real. You look at someone like Kenneth Hagin. At the time these men were dying, you can see that it's, it's as though they've been immortalized. Till today, that man's books are still blessing people. His messages are still blessing people. And these people stood on the scriptures. Come on. The person who said does not believe scripture, check how he died. <laughs> they all die with one scandal around them. Some of those scientists who are, <laughs> go and check, a lot of them before they died, they wrote things to say that, no, they think there's God. A lot of those people who said there was no God, before they died, they wrote things, but you know the thing about the scientific world, they will hide those materials. Most of them died, they, they realized that, Everything they were purporting was not real. So when I look at the people who said they stood by scriptures, they stood on scripture, and I look at their life, I said, no, I would like to go this way. The scripture is true. The more you study the scriptures, the more spiritual or spiritually minded you become. Why? Because the scriptures show you, Hebrews chapter 4, verse, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, or quick and powerful, so that any two edged sword, Piercing even to the divine asunder of soul and spirit. I mean, the word of God does the dividing. You see, we're talking about judgment. It does the dividing. We, we use the word of God to do the dividing. So you're going to do the dividing, you use the word of God to do the dividing. It said to the divine asunder of soul and spirit and of the joint and marrow. And it's a designer of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. That means, for example, when you want to know, oh God, you know some people, you know, say, God, open my heart. Check me, Lord. Check me, Lord. You better go and check your heart. It's not be telling God. Don't be giving. Why are you giving God assignments? He should come and check your heart for him, for you. Take the Bible. When you take the scriptures, you know, that's how to identify if you have pride. Oh, pride? You can be walking like this and be very proud. You think pride is walking like a ghost? When people hit you, I'm fine. And you think, I'm so humble. I'm so humble. I'm so humble. You might be having inferiority complex. It's not humility. It's not putting inferiority complex is humility. No. When you check the scriptures, you are studying about a Messiah. Then you see where a Messiah went wrong. Then the word of God will immediately show you yourself and say, you know you are like this. So, okay, okay. Then you begin to make changes, spirituality. Because the word of God begins to show you who you are, you see. And a lot of the time, until what you are is read to you, you will not know that. 
I'll give you an example, David. David didn't know that what he did with Bathsheba was so serious. How did he know? It was when the prophet came and told him a story. So there was a man who did this and did that and did this. When he heard, he said, let us kill the man. He said, you are the man. <laughs> he said, yeah. So David, should we still kill the man? He said, let me beg God. <laughs> As you study the scriptures, it begins to open you. It open you. Then you also know where you are doing well. When you are going well, you look at it and say, Father, thank you, I'm doing well. Moving on, more and more spiritual. Why? Looking into the scriptures. Then, the spirit, the spirit of God. You know, one of the, the highlights for me in this ICLC was when Pastor talked about when you are always filled with the spirit. You know, because before, emphasis on being filled with the spirit was only when you have a crusade or you have administration. When somebody is going to be, have, you know, is going to sing. The day before he's fasting. So when he comes, we give you glory, Lord. Feel the power. While he's singing, like, wow, wow. So powerful. So you feel like an angel. Two hours after, the spirituality has vanished. He's now back to like himself, like normal self. Then you see him doing things that are not, when you uh, compare to when he was on stage, it's not the same. So what Pastor was talking about, when you are spiritual, it's like, it's like when you're filled with the spirit, it's like every day. So you don't have any spiritual moments. Are you getting it? It's not when people see you. They see you. In your room, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Outside, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. In church, you are filled with the Holy Ghost. No, this is the reason why some people are very powerful in church, loud in church. But when they go outside church, when you tell them, this person is, huh? This person, eh, she's in church. Oh, no, she's an usher. Eh? I'll never come to your church. Because in church, when you see her ushering, <laughs> somebody annoys her. She wants to, but her ushering head is there. <laughs> Inside her. One light, I like me two girls at hotel. They'll be saying in their mind, you, if, if not for church ushering, like, can you talk to me? Can you talk to me anyhow? It's because I'm wearing heels, like today. I will show, I will show them. Hmm. Then after the service, they'll go vent to the usher leader. Usher. Hmm. Setuga, Setuga. See, some of the members, when they come, and you tell them to sit over here. Like, Listen, you know where I'm coming from? You know where I'm coming from? I live behind Nima. I will show you. <laughs> the person has forgotten he's coming from Zion. Now, I, I, he's coming from behind Nima. Hey, then we show, we show you level. I know my level. I know my level. He has forgotten. That is from the kingdom of God. In church, cool. Outside, if you don't, they will fire. If that person meets you again, somewhere else, uh, you say what for the church inside. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. Can the Holy Ghost hold your mouth? Is there time that you wanted to film the Holy Ghost? Uh, keep quiet. <laughs> That's spirituality. You wanted to react, the Holy Spirit said, don't react. You pick the phone today. I'll tell them a piece of my mind. Holy Ghost said, delete everything. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody has done something to say, hey, I would tell my status. Today, my status. Then you call your status. All you niggas. All you, <laughs> all you niggas. Men are trash. Even in church, outside church, everywhere. Men are trash. Why are you put trash? They, they put an emoji, the anger emoji. 
As you are about to press send, Holy Ghost said, don't press it. Don't press it. The Spirit of God. A Christian does not do this. The one who is spiritual will tell the voice of the Holy Spirit and say, no. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. He will delete everything. There are some the Holy Ghost will tell them, don't post it. <laughs> it's not a sin. It's not a sin. But the Holy Spirit is the one telling you, no, it's not a sin. It's not a sin. There are some people you must tell them your mind and be free. You see, when you post something on your status, the fact that somebody comes to say, I was touched by it doesn't mean it's from God. It is only from God when it is from God. Yes, that's, that's as simple as that. It's only from, it is from God. It only it is from God. I saw that as a music minister. Sometimes when you finish singing, you are waiting for someone to come and tell you I was touched. Yeah. When the Holy Ghost told me, no. The worship is not for the people. When you go up there to lead worship, you are, you are, you are, you are worshiping me. I'm the only one who can tell you whether it's accepted or not. Sometimes you're leading worship and the people are not moving. It doesn't mean God did not accept it. Because sometimes in their heart, they're actually moving. But you're looking for so- songs that they will jump. So even though the Holy Ghost told you to pick a song that they don't know. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me. With the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and turned me around. How he set my feet on solid ground. Now while you're singing it, they don't know it, but someone is now remembering. When I think about the Lord, how he saved Someone has remembered how he saved him, how he raised him, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost. They, they might not know the song, but at that time, you have, you have, together with the Holy Ghost, put a focus on God. And God is accepting the worship. How he picked me up and turned me around. How he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me. Hallelujah, thank you Jesus, Lord you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor. But as you're singing this one, because nobody was moving, said no, 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 no. Then at that time, you know what has happened? All of them are just jumping, but it's not because they are worshiping God. Hey, Kosagbara! Agbara! Agbara! Say after me, say I'm spiritually minded. Say I'm spiritually minded. Are you seeing? You're going to become more and more spiritually minded. This is going to be your focus. You're going to listen to the word of God. You're going to allow it to change you. You get it? Lift up your hands toward heaven. Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Focusing on the scripture. You're going to become more and more spiritually minded. More and more spiritually minded. Focusing on the Holy Spirit.
more and more spiritually minded. You know, let me tell you something. I, I didn't talk about that, but one of the things that helps you in becoming more and more spiritually minded is prayer, especially as praying the Holy Spirit so that you understand what you're doing. Now, this, this is what happens. Even when your focus is not really on the Holy Spirit, the moment you begin to speak in tongues, it just, it's just a matter of seconds. All of a sudden, it's like all your emotions are gathered together to focus on God. So it's so important. That's why a lot of the time when you, you think you're going to make a bad decision, most of the time just speak in tongues. When you speak in tongues, all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit is able to direct your focus on Him. See, that's what we are doing. So you're going to speak in tongues. You lift your hand. You learn to lift your hand and speak in and pray in the Holy Ghost. As you pray in the Holy Ghost, your focus, the Holy Ghost re rewires your focus. You see, and you become more focused in Him. Go ahead and begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Turn. 
Oh, oh, oh. 